You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Really excited to share with you this morning. You know, we've been uh, talking about our, our missions month and talking um, about this idea of being all in for missions. And last week shared about um, our mission statement. And if you ever have any questions about what is Banner Church, what do we do, I encourage you to go listen to that message um, or even go on our website and look at our mission, or you can meet with one of us and talk to it. I think it's really important that if you come to a church to know that it's a missional organization and to know what, what we're doing, right? Like, by coming here, you are saying to other people outside this building, you agree with us, so you better know what you're agreeing to, right? When they look at you, they're like, oh, you go to that church, so if I say, I mean, we kind of like all work together here. It's like a mutual thing. And uh, so I think it's always really important to know, what, what is this church really about? What, what, are, what, are, what are they doing? What are they about? So love Disciple Sand and our mission. Um, but this week, I, I really have the blessed privilege to introduce a couple of my favorite people to you guys. Um, we're talking this week really about local missions. And I wanted to bring some people in to share what it means to be all in in our community. And I think it's one thing for us to say, I mean, we do a lot of really great things, but I just love to celebrate the people who are like kind of living life fully all in for our community. And this last week, we talked about ways where we could kind of see uh, people that are islands that are kind of separated and how it's our job to build bridges. You following with me? And how it's our job to, to not just build a little island here as a church, but to build bridges and to reach out. And not that we have, you know, we know how to do everything right, but we have the truth of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ and that we're just trying to reach out and reach out and reach out. And so um, every time we come across somebody who's doing really an exceptional job of that, reaching in a, into a community that for the most part feels like an island, uh, we, we just love to do that. And so uh, the first person I'm going to introduce to you, we actually met because um, she came to church here, and uh, I was just fascinated. And as I begin to, to kind of get this bug in my ear and think about um, this ministry, I began to realize how many people were affected by it. And it's funny, I realized that it wasn't really so much an island that existed every continent and that it was just kind of semi-detached from us, but everywhere um, I went, there was somebody affected. And then she came and shared at our small group, and our small group was just totally touched. If you were part of that small group, it was honestly amazing and shared, and, and we were all really stirred. And I was looking around the small group and just seeing how each individual was so touched by this and, and how it had impacted their life. So I want to invite up Leah from Heart Encouragement this morning. Can you give her a welcome this morning? I'm going to grab this microphone. Can we use microphone whatever this is? One. <laughs> I just realized that. Is this on? Is it good? Okay. Well, thank you, Banner Church, for letting me come. Thank you, for Katie and Josh. And wow, I feel like um, this is like coffee talk here. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I think... What I, what I would love to do is maybe just have you share a little bit about yourself and okay. maybe um, just a little about your ministry. I know um, most people, except if they were in that small group, probably don't know or if they saw your table, don't know. So maybe just tell us a little about uh, who you are and then a little bit what, what is Heart Encouragement and what do you do? Okay. Well, I am Leah Epperson, and my family actually moved to Tucson when I was 10, and then I, you know, lived there with them. I went on to attend... University of Arizona, and was married, moved to Nevada for a couple of years, 
And then I moved back here to Scottsdale, raised a family, and have lived here ever since. So Scottsdale is um, really special to me. You raise your hand. Right. Well, if you're as, as native as you get. Right? If you're, if you would consider yourself Arizona native, would you raise your hand? Right. That's a pretty yeah, good number. Right. All right, respect. Nice. If you've been here longer than ten years, I think you're, you're native. Yeah. Right. So. Right. A little bit about Heart Encouragement. Um, Heart Encouragement is a local ministry that um, really comes alongside people that are journeying to wellness, is what I say, but they're suffering with cancer. So it's a cancer support for people that have been recently diagnosed, are journeying with the disease, as well as their families. Um, something happens when you're given that cancer diagnosis. It can really seem like a death sentence, and um, it can rob your spirit of hope and that there is a future for you beyond the disease. And so um, it's really just a, a special outreach, and we, we need you know, the community to help the community. So I believe it's really God's you know, mission for us uh, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So what, what kind of got you, I, I guess, started? Because, I mean, I, I think this is something the more that, you know, we talked about, the more we see there's just so many people connected. But this is really a unique ministry to start up. What is it that kind of fueled you to, to start this as a ministry, to, to do what you're doing now? Well, um, it really has been a special call and a passion that was born out of my own personal experience Back in the fall of 08, I was pursuing a nursing degree, and um, I actually was in a very troubled marriage, uh, raising four kids, and I was diagnosed with stage three non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So um, it rocked my world, and but it was incredible because God had a plan. And while I was receiving treatment, um, I really felt a sense that God, you know, touched my heart and said, look around you, see the other patients, see that, you know, how scared they are, how lonely they feel, and come alongside them, share with them the true hope that you have in Christ. So that profoundly changed my whole cancer experience. It wasn't about my misery or my treatments. Every treatment session became an opportunity to come alongside someone else, to sit with them, to just become their friend. I didn't really know what God was really doing when I felt that call, but he just took my hand and really showed me how to be, to show the love of Jesus. And I didn't have to preach at them. But I became their friends, and I would see them outside of the treatment center, and I would find out what they needed, and I just did the next thing. So that's really how Heart Encouragement was born. That's how the ministry started. It took me a few years to figure it out and, and to see what God had planned. Um, so then I actually joined forces with my home church, Heart um, Heritage, uh, they're right here in Scottsdale. And I went to them and I said, hey, you know, this is what God's putting on my heart. What do you think? And they, like Banner, has a real heart for 
reaching out and touching the community. And they said, we love it. We will help you get your 501c3. I'm going, wow, God, that's great. So that's really how, you know, we came to be. So That's awesome. And so you talk about, you know, when, when you're going in or you or someone on your team is going into um, one of these facilities and, you know, or, or a place where, you know, care, a hospital or something right. like that. What, what is it that really you're encountering and what is it that you kind of, you're bringing in or you're doing when you're there? I mean, what, what's one of the biggest things you encounter when, when you're ministering in this setting? Well, it's, it's interesting because we actually go into treatment centers, which there really isn't a lot of cancer support organizations that I know that do that. Uh, I do go into hospitals. I do, you know, we do go to home visits. We really try to do whatever um, that particular person needs. But the first thing I encounter really is that they need to know that they're loved. And how can we show that? In the treatment center, there's this kind of, uh, you know, they're there, they're not, they're not feeling well, they might be, uh, you know, going through a lot of different things. That's why I shared that I was going through a troubled marriage, that I was, I was working that night, the night shift, the graveyard shift, because they're not just encountering cancer. It's relationship issues, job problems, uh, financial problems. I lost my job when I had cancer. My ex-husband lost his job. We had no health insurance. So I'm always sensitive to that. So back to your question. Yeah. I really think they, they need to know that you care. Um, I, you know that uh, adage, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah, That's the first thing. Yeah. And I'm quick to tell them that, you know, I'm a cancer overcomer because I see the kind of the barriers come down, but you don't have to have had cancer to be a friend. That's what they need. They need to know that you're a friend and that they aren't alone. So um, I, I've worked with Josh McDowell Ministries. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but he teaches you never to come empty-handed, to try to fill a little bit of a need, and you just see the barriers kind of come down the, the countenance changes in. So I come in with flowers, with um, healthy snacks. I'm all about eating healthy post-cancer. I want to stay, you know, in remission. Um, but we just, I've, I've learned certain things are, you know, a welcome to them. And then they see that you're, you don't have an agenda. I don't come to convert them. I come to them to show them the love of Jesus, to show them kindness. So that's, that's what we can encounter. And I, I think you shared something that's special there and uh, that I want to hit on is kind of this idea of like, you don't have to be something specific. Like when you guys are right. looking for, like we'll, we'll talk about the cancer care um, training and care friends. Is that the right word? That's what yeah. we call yeah. all of yeah. our wonderful volunteers. And I think that idea of like, you don't need to have necessarily gone, gone through that. Right. But at the same time, I, I think also something that we're surprised by all the time as a, as a culture, which I think is really important is how many people, I mean, almost everyone here, I'm sure in some way has been right. affected, if not in their own body because the rate is so high that really yeah. it's something that all of us in some way can connect or identify yeah. or, or reach out to or can 
to some even small extent, recognize the hurt in, right? right? Can I just address yeah. the need? The need is great. Um, I was talking with Rhonda this morning, wherever you are, she's precious. Um, you know, statistics may be, you know, meaning, hi, Rhonda, may be meaningless to a lot of us, but, because um, stories are more important, but it is staggering. According to the American Cancer Society, one in every two men will receive a cancer diagnosis this year, and one in every three women will be told they have cancer. In this country alone, in the state of Arizona, 35, there will be almost 35,000 new diagnoses. 35,000 in Arizona and over 12,000 deaths. So by definition, that is an epidemic. And that's why God has really moved me to get the word out, to enlist loving people like yourself um, to, to show you just how great the need is. And you usually, when I talk to people and they know what I do, so cancer usually comes up, which I'm grateful to, you know, share. But everybody's life has been touched in some way through a neighbor, a family member, and sometimes your own experience. So it is, you know, the need is great. And I think it can be hard, you know, when, like you're saying, every time it comes up for you, it's, I mean, it's your ministry, but I, I think as a culture, sometimes we can maybe pull back from some things because there is hurt or pain or loss mm. in there. And so as a church, I think there's a risk to a, avoid things mm. that are difficult because they're not like, like you don't end a talk on cancer with like a really big worship chorus, you know, right. so like, oh, I'm not, right. you know, so. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's, but there is something really powerful about saying as the church, I feel like really it's our, it's our call and it's the heart of Christ right. to see that and, and to not avoid it. And that uh, it just just by kind of like going around it, we miss an, really an opportunity. I mean, that's a city of people, just people yeah. going through treatment. I mean, that that's a whole, right. t that's a township yeah. of people um, all, if you just got everyone together. And so I think there's really an opportunity to say that that's really an island of people. And, and even though there, there's a lot of hard things, I think even when you came and shared with us, there were so many good things yeah. that God's doing in that ministry. Mm -hmm. And so it's like by bypassing what could be a difficult conversation, mm -hmm. we miss in rejoicing. If we were to go all in and, and be a part and kind of get our hands dirty, mm -hmm. if we bypass that, we miss the blessing of what's happening. Because I remember Absolutely. when you came and shared, there are just some amazing stories. I don't know if you have a story, kind of what a heart encouragement. I'm sure you do. Every time we interview somebody, they have a million I got stories. stories. I got um, but maybe, stories. maybe just like one, maybe one story, kind of of something recent where you've seen kind of the joy of the Lord or the heart of Christ come through and heart encouragement and through that ministry. Absolutely. I just want to say heart encouragement was really God's name for us because it's all about the heart and encouragement. Everybody needs encouragement, right? So my oldest son says, Mom, you know, you can, you can clear a room when you start talking about cancer. But I want to leave all of you with a lot of hope. So I do have a, a wonderful story. I was trying to remember, you know, or think about which ones, because there's so many great ones. But um, one particular story, how we impacted a whole family, and I say we, please forgive me, Lord. He worked through us to encourage a whole family. Um, 
I was actually referred to a gentleman. His name is Daryl. Uh, he was in his late 60s. And um, I, I knew about him through his daughter-in-law. So his daughter-in-law told me, you know, about his situation. So I, I reached out to him and his sweet wife. And so we started working with them. He had actually the same cancer as God healed me from. So there was a connection there. And we often, the hope really, truly, is that there is hope for those that are going through cancer. There are lots of things that we can do. So we, we tend to see that there's only, you know, a few limited options. But God is greater than that. So. So I just yeah. want, you know, I, I yeah. love your church and that you do pray for miracles. You do yeah. see the goodness of God. So we started working with them, and they really resonated and were, you know, really eager for that. And then I discovered that it wasn't just them that we needed to minister to, but the daughter-in-law and her husband were going through problems. It was very stressful on the whole family. Um, this particular couple, they were in their late 60s, but they had a foster care son. And as his journey became more and more critical and it took more and more of his and his wife's time to devote to treating him, they didn't really know how they were going to care for their 8-year-old. There wasn't really a lot of uh, family to step up to the plate and say, hey, we'll take him on. So I think it's interesting about the foster care but um, that's next. Right. And it was beautiful because this young guy, um, you know, he loved them and was a part of their family. He's Native American. So um, they wanted him to find a really great home. And if you do not know about Sunshine Acres, uh, they are a beautiful, you know, family that that takes in kids. And so heart encouragement, God used us to help. Uh, partner Sunshine Acres with this young boy, and so that was that was really beautiful because the couple that we were working with that was really you know uh, that was really a uh, a burden of theirs you know so we got to be a part of that and and if we do nothing else really truly as a ministry which I know God is going to do great things, but it was ministered to that whole family and just really help them know that they were loved and, and give them the resources that they needed, which is kind of what we try and do. So that's one beautiful that's awesome. story. Amen. That's good. Can we get up for that story? That's good. I love that. Yeah. It's to the Lord. It's to the yeah, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think you're right. I, when we talked, there is really a lot that God is doing and going to do. And, uh, you know, as we've talked about uh, being our church, being all in for missions, and we keep using that phrase, you know, we're heading up to the end of this month, we're really launching our missions initiative and yeah. wanting to support, but it goes even beyond financially, it's it's really uh, in body and physically, and um, I know you have some stuff coming up, and we've talked about partnering and what that looks yeah. like, and there's some things coming up, so how, um, how can people, especially if they're saying... Um, you know, we talked in our Acts series about sometimes the enemy tries to steal things. And yeah. one of the best ways to kind of redeem that is what the enemy meant for evil, you can use for good. Absolutely. So especially those who feel like, I want to go on the offensive, so to speak, with yeah. love. <laughs> right, right, um, right. How, how can they get involved? How can they kind of go all in in, in this ministry and be a part of that? I'm so glad you asked, Josh. 
That's a great question. Good. Yeah. Well, uh, what we have on the, you know, the, the books for this fall is um, we actually have a training that we're going to do right here in Banner. Um, it's on the 4th of November, and you're going to remember this because the rest of the world goes on uh, Daylight Savings. We don't. So it's that Sunday, actually. So, yeah, we should try to remind you it's at 1 o'clock, so you'll have a chance to leave church, go grab a bite, and then come back. And we're going to do a three-hour training. And I just want you to know that everybody can be a friend. You have a friend. You can be a friend. And that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to raise up friends because every cancer patient has different needs. Sometimes they may just want to talk on the phone or get a card. Um, you know, you don't... I, I think that it's intimidating. Some people think they have to be at the bedside of someone who's critically ill. And I'm telling you that that's not always the case. If you have a background in nursing or if you want to be a part of that, then, you know, you let me know. We will all embrace yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, that would be awesome. But so much of what we do is providing a, a transportation, a handyman. We do cleaning. We do meal service. We just try to find out what their needs are, and sometimes we get to just bring something fun or be a part of an event that pulls them in, that helps them know that, you know what, life is really crappy right now, but you, you know, are going to have a little fun for a little while. So... It, so we're going to have that care uh, friend training, which is really important to, to maybe, and we're going to open it up beyond Banner. We have a few other churches that would like to um, be involved in that. And that's really kind of what we would like to do. We would like the church to be the first responder when someone is newly diagnosed, right? To know that, you know, that, that love of Jesus is going to, you know, kind of embrace them. They need, they need that. So that's a, that's a big thing. And obviously, obviously we need prayer and financial yeah. support. Yeah. The more support we build up, the more we can do for the, you know, the patients and the more that they see the love of Jesus providing for them. And there are secular, you know, there's a handful of secular organizations here in the valley that are doing great things and so I say hey what more would God want through Amen. the body of Christ to be you know communicating that love Amen. let's let's you know let's be a part of that so Amen yeah that that's so good I and I think again anybody even even if you're just interested you know we talked about love disciple sin I mean th this is a great discipleship tool so even if you're yeah. maybe like unsure I mean, th three hours just to commit to learn yeah, what's three really hours? A, a way to connect to somebody. Yeah. I mean, can you, I mean, I, I know some of you have gone through that, uh, through cancer treatment, so you can really imagine what it would mean to have somebody intentionally reach you in your place. But I think even if you've ever felt hopeless, you can mm -hmm. know the feeling of having somebody uh, who took the time to learn how to reach into your life. And can I tell you that that's a difference maker in life right. is that we would be a church and regardless of the size of our building or our parking lot or our budget, that we would be a church that never gets tired of finding ways to reach across into people's yeah. lives and touch them. So if you can prioritize that November 4th, that's our church birthday. So what I want for our church's oh, birthday is for you, you to do that. So, well, and uh, I just want to say, <laughs> I'll bring that you cake. I'm, I'm really proud of all of you because when I did come, I came through a friend, actually, Michael invited 
a friend of mine, and she said, oh, let's, let's go to Banner. So I said, okay. And so I came, and that was one of the things that really impressed me about all of you. I see you, Michael. Is, is, your, is your love and the way you pray and the moving of the Holy Spirit. I just love that. So that is contagious. That is infectious. And I'm all about us, you know, partnering with those that are expecting. We, Rhonda and I were talking about this. Expect miracles. Oh, pray for amen. miracles and amen. watch God, you know, really, amen. really move on you. But I, I, one last thing, I know you yeah. have to tell me to shut up, um, is that... <laughs> Besides, yeah, right, it's not working. <laughs> Besides cancer, heart encouragement is for everybody. So you know someone that may not be, you know, suffering with cancer, but they need to be encouraged. So absolutely come and learn how you can be a care friend to those that are going through, you know, something that's tough. So, yeah. Can we pray for you? I'm, we're going to pray oh, for you this morning. Um, and you're going to, you have your table out there. It has all the signups and information. Right. And I encourage you, even if there's a line, make sure to wait and connect. Yeah, yeah please um, come and, and meet with me and tell me your story. Or yeah, I would love it if you'd sign up. That would be great. Awesome. Well, hey, let's pray. Would you guys reach your hands out uh, this morning? God, we thank you. God, I thank you for Leah. God, I thank you for her team. And God, I thank you for the ministry that you've given and placed on her heart. And so, God, I pray you would just bless it abundantly. God, I pray as a church that we just be able to come alongside her, both financially and physically, and just really lift this up. And God, we pray that everywhere they go and everywhere the care friends go, that you would just give them the land that their feet walk, God, as they walk into a treatment center. God, that just hope would walk with them, God. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're already there, ministering. Ministering and God, that they're just meeting you in the ministry you're doing. And so, God, give them your eyes to see and your ears to hear and your heart to love. And God, we thank you. Bless them, provide for them, watch over them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Well, I'm going to invite one more person up this morning. Do you guys love that? I, man, I really appreciate that. We had coffee and I was like, that's so good. I was like, this is. This is amazing. How is this not a thing, right? And everyone else feel like when you see a ministry, like, how is this not, like, a huge thing already? Like, it's just, I was thinking, like, why do we not have a, it's like the first time I came here and there was prayer directors. I was like, that's a good idea. We should have people who love prayer, Chandler and Kelly. And they were amazing at it. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course, because. It's important. So I, I love that. Well, hey, uh, the next person I'm going to invite up is really special to us. And we partner with you guys and we love you. But can you welcome Siobhan from OCJ Kids this morning? Well, hey, would you just, uh, for those who don't know, uh, you, you came back. Actually, we were at Tanalea at the yes. elementary school, which was cool. Um, and uh, we're excited to have you back. We, we had a blast, obviously, packing bags and all that with you guys. Yes. Um, but would you just share a little bit who you are and then uh, what, what is OCJ Kids for those who might not know? For those of you guys who might know me, my name is Siobhan Sullivan, but I'm going to start off, if that's okay. Oh, um, with a wrap. Because as Leah was talking, um, God reminded me again, and I did share the last time at, um, when I was at Banner, um, I don't know, it was about five or six years ago, we were in a week of prayer at my church, and I was looking at, I was praying, I was praying, and God says, when you look at the cost, so what is God calling you to go? What is God calling you to do? 
and you're looking at the cost, is it going to hurt? Because you guys were mentioning that. Um, I want to preface this first. When you're looking at the cost, you're not looking at your cost. What hurt is it going to bring you? What cost? What finance is that going to bring to you? But look at the cost of the people if you don't go. Because there's some hurting people out there. Yeah. Um, and there's specific people that God has called you to reach. And if good. God is calling you wow. to go, um, where is she? The one who was thinking about one of the church members here and because she hasn't, was it, that hasn't been here, been on her heart. And I'm like, okay, you need to call her. <laughs> um, so yeah. whatever God is calling you to do, was it to go to missions overseas, doing missions here? You better do it because there's people <laughs> who are expecting you. Or God is waiting for you to answer that call because of them. Okay. Okay, OCJ kids. (laughs) Yeah, just firing it already. (laughs) Siobhan comes in and just slays it. Made everyone cry last time. (laughs) I might be crying again today. It's going to happen. I have my story. (laughs) But uh, um, OCJ kids, OCJ stands for Opportunity, Community, and Justice for Kids. And we reach a small, when you look at the big grand of things of 15,000 kids in foster care, we are connecting here in Maricopa County with the smallest portion, and those are the kids that are living in the group homes. These are kids that from, yes, there's infants in there, but for the most part, they're like 7 to 17. Some of them are 18. Um, And they're in a group home because there aren't enough foster families. Some of them, that's the best place they're going to thrive at um, because of how many places they've been in. So that's our big role of what we do. Um, we also provide big events for these group homes. Um, and for those of y'all who came out and helped us with our back to school drive, our back to school event, that was awesome. Um, filling up our warehouse at the end. <laughs> yeah, if you guys don't know, we do a big collection to start the school and then we led two teams uh, to go pack. Yes. Katie and I led one and then uh, Chandler and Kelly led one on another night. So just thank you everyone who, yes. who went and served. Thank you Chandler and Kelly for leading that night. We really do appreciate you guys. So anyway, sorry, so keep going. One of the things, the OCG kids were very big at building relationships because how do we have the opportunity to speak into people's lives and that's relationships. Um, so our big events... Um, it's not about, hey, come get stuff. It's about, hey, come out and hang out with us. And, oh, by the way, you get this too. Uh, because it's a need that they have. Um, but the big thing that they need is the relationships. Um, and that's a small, that's my part of OCJ Kids. Uh, there's a lot more that we do. Um, we're providing tangible resources to DCS here in Maricopa as well as around the state. Um, providing those resources in the rural areas that may not have a lot of those contacts um, and availabilities. But I would love to talk to you more about that, but that's a snippet. A small part. A small part. I, I think every time you meet with somebody from OCJ Kids, whether it's Siobhan or Gary and Tammy, just somebody, they're just, you guys are so passionate about it. Um, and, and you guys, you really like not ache for, but like yearn, you know, you long for this, like this, this is really so deep in your heart. Um, what, what is it about OCJ kids that, that every time I meet somebody, why are they so passionate about it? What, what is it about this ministry that's maybe the need or so important that, that you guys have just such a burning heart for it? Okay. <laughs> um, we have hurting kids that are lost, um, and they're broken. Um, their minds are broken. 
because of trauma from abuse, neglect, and the reason why we're passionate about it is because God gives us the opportunity to bring change, um, to bring healing into these kids' lives um, just by being a point of contact, that friend, um, that adult role model is one, is the number one key to help start the healing of the trauma that's been given to them um, and build resilient kids. <laughs> that's my new term. I love it. I actually found out, because one of the, some of the questions I've been asking um, is, I see kids, some of these kids who are making it. Some of our teenagers, they get it. They're finishing high school. Um, they're going out and getting a job. Um, and they're making it. On our standards, maybe not, but on and compared to everyone else in the group homes, yes, they are a success. And I'm like, how do I reproduce those kids? How do I help them be normal? How do I help them do that? And I have some amazing partners that help put definition, and they gave me the term resilient. How do we build resilient kids? It takes three things. The first one is that positive adult role model. The second one is executive functions, how to plan things, how to put things in order, how to wake up to an alarm and get up and get your coffee and get out the door to get to work on time and not be late. Um, that's all, all part of that growing up. Um, and the third one is um, self-regulation. And I'm so excited that what God has called us to do at OCJ Kids is, is that is help build resilient kids, providing adult role models, providing opportunities for these kids to feel safe, that they can turn off that survival mode and start operating normally and be safe. And I like seeing change. Yes. I, I think I was blown away when we were talking, um, and every time we talked, just by, by the need in Arizona um, in, in foster care, and in, it just seems like, it, especially in this state, and I know you could probably comment more, it seems like there's really a, a great need, um, you know, in this state, and I'm just kind of, maybe you could share a little bit, because it's not like we all live in, in this right. world, obviously, right. but um, kind of what, what really is the state of foster care in Arizona? What, what is the state of, of what's going on in our, in our area? I'm happy to say in the past two years, our numbers have gone from 20,000 kids in care down to 15,000 care. Amen. So it's huge. Amen, that's awesome. Um, right? Uh, DCS doing wraparound services before kids are being removed um, so that the ones that just those parents need just that little bit of help are getting the little bit of help before they come in. What does that mean to the kids that are actually coming in? That means more behaviors more um, breakdowns, more trigger points, um, which means more broken kids in care. Um, and it's scary. It's scary to people who feel like, oh, I can't take care of that. Oh, they're gonna go off and break my wall or they're gonna come in and destroy my family. Um, that it scares people to take on a young person. Um, to be foster parents. To be foster parents. Um, I know DCS is doing a huge big call here in Arizona for teenagers. Our teenagers need us. They need us so badly because a lot of people say that they're, oh, and I heard it just this week. <laughs> um, 
they already formed and they've already started making their own opinions so they're harder to get through. I'm telling you, our teenagers need us the most because they're the next ones that are, by 19, are going to be homeless or in jail. Um, and that's the scary part. I'm seeing that more and more where our young people are lost in the cycle of no support, um, not having places to live, not having money to pay rent, um, and so it gets stuck in that cycle. Um, and there's not a lot of resources out there. Uh, so our state of, I mean, we're getting better for kids coming into care, um, but where we're really, where the state and what I see the state is really lacking at is transition, those transition times. Um, and where does that start? It starts with building relationships before they turn 18. Um, so you're able to speak and you're able to be there. They're able to call you. They're able to say, okay, I need help. I need to pay rent. Well, I may not be able to help you with money. Maybe you are. Um, but it's like, okay, let's stop. Let's pray. Let's, let's process. Let's go through. Let's help them work through those executive functions because they're not capable because they're surviving. And I think that's so important when you talk about that influence because I remember when we were looking in, and I, I know Katie and I were even talking about the amount of in this state, um, sex trafficking that comes out of that because these kids mm -hmm. will just disappear, yeah. be unaccounted for, um, and, and really just kind of they'll be groomed and be in the weeds and they'll be gone. Yeah. You know, they'll just be be totally gone as as young people. And really, that the young girls and even young boys in, in our state are are preyed upon because they're they're lacking that. And so it's it's not a matter of really. If you or no one, it's kind of a matter of if they will get a positive influence right. or a negative one. And it's not that they're going to just kind of neutrals, but they're going to extremes. Yes. Right? They're either going to go extremely one way or, or hopefully this, yes. you know, extremely yes. this way. Yes. And, and so I think that that, <clears throat> that really hit me in thinking about, okay, and, and hearing that influence, because I think, like you're saying, relationship is 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 so 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 key because sometimes we think that our world kind of lives in neutral right. and it's like well i can either affect it for positive or it will just kind of land back at level but that's not that's not where it is yeah. and and for a lot of young people they, they're drug into uh, a, a horrific uh, future because no one saw the value in them to invest in them um, no one saw that child and thought they had the value to, to invest that time right. in um, and and so what, what I love is when I talk with you guys um, and, and there are people and people that go in is you guys just have, I think, have these really powerful stories about how um, investing in those relationships, you've seen God do good things, whether it's in the, the, the kids or even the people that work right. at the group homes. Could you maybe just share uh, a little bit about what, what you've seen God do kind of in or, or a story of what you've seen God do in those group homes for the positive change in relationship? Okay, so. Uh, this is my story that fits right along. Um, I was playing through Facebook, and I just sent out words to, because, okay, let's back up, backtrack, backtrack a little bit. I was, me, myself, I've been, I have volunteered in one of the teen mom group homes for, like, six years, stopped in about 2015, um, but those girls are still precious in my heart, and I have a special Facebook just for them. I had a resource form, so I sent out the, a message in the page, 
And so I was floating through and it just, things started popping up to them. And I saw a post on some of the photos I posted four years ago. Okay. Um, and it, it was a post that I don't ever remember reading from one of the girls a year ago. And she is now 24. Um, and so she was 23 when she was writing it and she was looking at the pictures and she was, and she said, I remember back at these times and I look back with joy and I look back with good memories um, and I want those days back. And she looks back at her days in the group home because of volunteers coming in and people spending time with them um, that has helped her through pushing through where she is now. Um, and it was just, I'm like, how did I not see that? <laughs> But yeah, that's so good. That's that's the impact of what we do, um, on a daily basis. I I know I have have I done jars full of sunshine over here. Have you? Were? Yes, the jars full of sunshine. Um, because from that same that same posted posts, I've also heard what staff can do if they're hurting. Um, so it created this really simple thing that you might want to steal it. Okay. Um, it's a mason jar filled with um, notes of appreciation and encouragement. So encouragement notes, right? Um, heart encouragement Heart notes. encouragement notes. Um, the <laughs> for the staff working with these kids, because when you're dealing with, okay, I'll take the smallest house of five kids, whether they're elementary, whether they're high school, all the way up to 10 um, all different personalities, all from different families, all from different backgrounds, all different hurting levels, it can get a little intense, right? Um, and our staff are hurting on the inside because they're going through their own stuff, um, and so they bring more hurt to the kids without them realizing what they're doing. Um, and they're quitting, the good ones are quitting, and no, we need, the, we need them. Um, that one jar, the first jar I ever gave out, I don't know if I shared this story or not, the first jar I ever gave out to a group home, I called the agency, I said, okay, who needs the most? Um, and they said, it's Simone over at Lighthouse. I said, awesome. I called her up, said, hey, are you going to be home tomorrow? I have something for you. She was like, um, okay, yeah. Uh, I, it's just a small jar of, of encouragement and, and appreciation. When I got to the house the next day, she's like, okay, Siobhan, I was praying and I was like, okay, God, I, I just have to quit because there's no one under, there's no one support out there. And then you called me and said, this is what I'm bringing to you. She said, I had to have another conversation um, because there is hope. There is encouragement. There are people who may not understand totally what they're going through, but they do understand and they give back. That's good. So as you guys um, are working, working in the group homes, I know you guys have some things coming up, and obviously we partner with the events, but yes. kind of out, outside of that, of those events and things, what are ways that people can get connected with you um, and, and or partner with you guys or, or be involved or, you know, kind of what, what's what's the next step? If somebody says, I really do value, you know, the, the forgotten kids in our state, I want to take that next step. Next steps is training. <laughs> okay. Uh, when, when is your guys' next training? I think it might October, be here. October 13th. And guess where it's at? Here. Oh, it's here. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
don't have to travel far. You know where the parking lot is at. Uh, um, it is a four-hour training. There is a lot of paperwork. We're working with vulnerable people, um, the vulnerable population. Um, I do call it the cheapest missions trip you will ever take because <laughs> it's $65. You know. Gotcha. You know, there's no plane flight. There's no um, immunizations, that type of stuff. Well, there might be. We'll find out. Um, I'm excited <laughs> to say 2.7 miles from this building is a therapeutic facility that I have to make some connections, make some talk, do some talking to that we might be able to impact some kids who are really, really struggling. Yeah, because we talked about that when you were yeah. looking in the area. Where where are the homes around here? Because right. some of those people go like Scottsdale, like what? But there's a lot of need okay. here. On my, if, you, if you ever come to my office, I didn't mean to cut you off, I do that a lot. Um, <laughs> If you ever come to my office, I have this big map of, of Maricopa County, and I have dots on this map, and those represent group homes. This dot, the dot I'm talking about is not on my, on my wall um, or on my map. There is only one house that is in Scottsdale, um, and that's a teen mom home, well taken care of by two other churches. Amen. Uh, working together, I'm so excited. We have two denominations working together. Awesome. It is that's really awesome. cool. Um, um, but there is another one 2.7 miles down the road <laughs> um, yes. that uh, I, I'm, not, I'm very transparent when it comes to these kids because if you're not called to go to that house, you're going to do more damage to yourself and to the kids. Um, they're great kids. They are. Um, but it is therapeutic for a reason. They have history. They have they have backgrounds, stuff like that. I think I was transparent the last time, too. Probably. Um, uh, but it's, it's one of those things where, but, but they're amazing young people that need people that aren't paid. Um, one of my volunteers was asking me, Siobhan, what do I tell the kids when, I tell, when they ask, why are you here? Like, That's an easy one. You tell, why are you here? Um, because I felt like God wanted me to come and, and be your friend. Because um, one thing, I look for marathoners for in the group homes, just let you know that, but also people with Jesus with skin on. Do you radiate Jesus everywhere you go? Amen. Um, in the grocery store, where, at work, um, because they can't stop us for living who we are. Amen. Amen. Um, and that's what I... Uh, but how else can you get involved? Christmas Perfect. is coming up. I don't want to. <laughs> Christmas is coming up. We we closed down a bowling alley um, Saturday morning, Sunday evening, um, and I always need lane hosts. I need people coming to wrap presents the week before too. Amen. Love it. Yeah. Uh, is there? Can will you be in the lobby that we can do signups for for um, that I training? I don't have anything or do we have to another? sign up, um, but I be out. I will be in the lobby for Perfect. you guys if you have questions. I say go to our website. Because you do have to go register that way. That's the easiest way. I quickly respond with an email with all the details of what to plan for and prepare for. Awesome. Hey, let, let's pray this morning. Would you reach your hands out this morning? God, we, we lift up Siobhan to you. God, we thank you for what she's doing. God, we pray right now over her and her team. God, just a, a revitalized energy, a renewed passion. God, we thank you for what they're doing, and it carries such a burden. And so, God, we, we pray over every uh, worker at the group homes right now. We pray they would be strengthened and encouraged, God, that they would uh, be just reminded in their core of their heart how important what they're doing is, God, that you would 
would just even send them dreams and visions, God, that they would begin to see these kids as you have called them to be, maybe not as they are now, but as you see them, and God, that there would be a renewed hope and a revival that would well up out of the foster care system, God, that it would uh, be a source of your love, God, to these kids who desperately need it, and we say thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you guys thank Siobhan this morning? I'm going to share one thought this morning. I'm going to invite our band forward, and I'm just going to share one little thought if I can get this. Do you guys enjoy hearing from our local missionaries? Man, what a blessing. I just, I really value being a church that uh, we don't got to reinvent the wheel here. There's already all these awesome people doing things. So let's just team up with them, right? It's like every church has to launch some new system and compete with everyone else doing. I'm like, man, there's just people doing some incredible things. And, you know, last week we read Matthew 25. And I I just want to read this again to you because I I think it really just gave us some immense context. So I'm going to read you the scripture and then, then we'll be done this morning. But Matthew 25, 31 uh, it says this. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he'll separate people one from another as a, sh- as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And hear this, and, and, and remember what we just heard. It says, for I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. One of the least of these. Can I tell you, Jesus uses that phrase not because Jesus sees them as the least of these, but because the world does. That the world likes to put us on a ladder. And I want you to picture just a ladder with rungs here, wherever you might see yourself. And it likes to put you on different rungs on this ladder based off your power or your influence or your race or your background, your ability or your charisma or, 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 or your wealth or whatever it might be or, or your physical ability or your physical deformity or, or wherever it might be. It likes to put you on a ladder and decide where you're going to be. And your value is assessed in the world based off your position. Is everyone with me? In the world, our value is assessed based off this position. How much money, how many Instagram followers, how good looking. And so we position some people lower in the world and we position some people higher. And what Jesus does is he just takes that whole ladder and he just flips it. And he levels it out And because Jesus doesn't see some as lesser and some as greater, right? See, in the world, there's always a fight for power and authority. And Jesus, even his own disciples, it says in Matthew 20, the disciples of Jesus were arguing who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, if you want to become the greatest, you got to become a servant. See, Jesus understood flipping the order, right? 
And as a church, my desire is like this. I, I, I remember um, growing up in school, and I have a last name of, of, of W. And so when they would read off in the order, I would be very close to the end. Except for um, Zahara, there's this kid, Diego Zahara, and Williams, I think was the other one. And I was towards the end. Except for one day, the teacher decided to go from the other end of the alphabet, and I was third up to present. Right? And it was a little leveling of the playing field when it came to names, right? And it, and it was taking something that was hierarchical, that was, it was just, just numerical, not a big deal, and it just flipped it. And what Jesus wants to do is in every element of our understanding when it comes to the world, he wants to flip it. That we see money up here so that person has a value. And so we invest in that person because they have value and because we want the value to translate onto us. Or this person is good looking. Or this person is on TV. Or this person gives something to us so we instill value to them. And yet Jesus flips it and he says, that which you do for the least of these you do unto me. And why is that? Because what God is saying and what he's saying to us, church, is that what you do to those who do not give you something back for doing it, that means you're doing it purely because you understand one simple truth, and that is that everyone is valuable because Christ has made them valuable, right? Everyone is valuable because Christ has made them valuable. If they're sitting in a treatment center, they're valuable. If they're sitting in a group home, they're valuable. If they're the richest or the poorest, they're valuable. If they're the healthiest or the sickest, they're valuable. If they come from this background or this background, if they're this skin color or speak this language, they're valuable. And what Christ is trying to say is, what the world deems as least, when you do it for them, you're doing it for me. And so church, when we minister, when we do heart encouragement, when we do OCJ kids, when we got people that are teaching English to refugees, when we do these things, it's not to make us look good, it's because we're ministering straight to the Lord. And we're saying, listen, we love these people and we might not even know them, but we give them value because Christ gave them value. And let me, let me go one more step further and then we're, we're all done uh, this morning. One, one step further is this, is that the world doesn't understand that this ladder is broken and here's why because you and I had an unpayable debt an unpayable debt of sin that Christ paid for us see we have no power in the supernatural in the kingdom of God in heaven we don't have position because of us we're broken people and yet God saw immense valuing you and love for you that he died for you that he sent his son for you and he leveled the field and he gave you something that no one else could give you and that you could never earn. Follow me here. When we show love to other people, we're just simply responding to what God has done in our life. That we are the least of these. That we are the undeserving. That we are the broken. That we might look like this, wear this, act like this, be from this, and be in this position. But when it comes to the reality of our soul, we're all the least of these. And that Jesus came for us, the least of these. You and I this morning, we're the least of these. Everybody outside is the least of these. Everybody in care is the least of these. Everybody in the group, we're all the least of these. And Jesus came for us. And so when we take Jesus and we continue that ministry, can I tell you, we're right where God wants us to be.
If you're looking for purpose, can I tell you the best place to start is get into the presence of God, get a revelation of his love, and then take that out and share it with people who need it. And as a church, I want to be all in. I want to be all in for the simple things. It doesn't take a ministry degree to feed the hungry. It doesn't take a ministry degree to to help the thirsty. It doesn't take a ministry degree to look at a child and say, you have value. I know someone hurt you and abandoned you, but you have value and you're special and you can do whatever you want, but I'm not leaving. I'm here. I'm with you and I'm staying tough. I'm resilient and you're going to be resilient and we're going to see Christ do something. See, that doesn't take a ministry degree. That takes the heart of Christ. And this morning, I, I just... Again, I'm going to double down like we did last week and believe that God is looking for a church that says, I want the heart of Jesus Christ. God, continue to give me your heart for those who need it. And as a church, we're coming up on the day where we're going to pledge and launch our missions initiative. And I'm going to be inviting you guys to be praying about uh, what what you're considering to give into our missions initiative here. But even above that, my prayer is, God, would you give me a heart of Jesus Christ for your people? Would you give me a heart to to go into a cancer care facility and be a friend? Would you give me a heart to go into a classroom full of refugees and teach? God, would you give me a heart to to go into a group home and train, to go across an ocean and lead, to go into my community and love? Would you stand with me? We're going to pray this morning. Normally we have a time of response, but I'm going to do a simple response this morning and kind of get you, get you moving. But I want to do this. Just close your eyes and bow your head with me. And as you've heard these people share this morning and as you've heard about really the the heart of Christ and you're saying this morning, man, I want to be all in for the heart of Christ. I I, I really desire. And maybe you don't know what the, the practical element of that looks like this morning, but you're saying, I want to be all in for Jesus Christ. I I want that heart. I want the heart for the lost. I want the heart for the broken. God, renew that, strengthen that in me. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up? I want to pray for you this morning saying, God, would you just give me more of your heart? I want more of the heart of Jesus Christ this morning. Just lift your hands up. Just leave them up in in act of receiving. Say, I want more of the heart of Christ this morning. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for these people with their hands raised this morning. God, I thank you that you see them. And God, I thank you that that your love is for them. God, that, that in your word, even Jesus prayed, God, help them to see that you love them as you love me, that everyone here is so desperately loved by you. And God, may you give us more of your heart to take that love into the world, to take that love outside these doors. And we pray, and, and if your arms are raised, just pray in agreement with me this morning. God, give me your heart to take your love to the world. God, give me your heart to take your love to the world. God, give me your heart to take your love to the world. God, and I will go wherever you call me. I will go. In Jesus' name, amen.